Hello and welcome to the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves Guardians of the Galaxy Spoiler Special, the only podcast that got your dick message. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stuart Moraine and Alice. <laughs> did you know that dad? No. Nope. You had that plan, did you? I had planned that for months. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've rounded up the usual a-holes to join me on this, uh, so I'm Stuart Moraine. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> God damn it, God damn it, I'm doing I'm Spartacus. Uh, I am Groot. <laughs> okay, oh okay, let's go then. Well, that's set the tone, hasn't it? <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, what, what, do we, what do we all feel on it? It's terrible. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I don't go to. A, I don't pay. You know, eight pounds, ten pounds. How much is it these days? I don't pay a lot. No, you're in Canada. We pay like fifteen loonies. I don't pay that to go and have fun at the cinema. That's not what the modern day was. It dubbed for the Canadian audience. No, it was full of whimsy and charm and I felt my heart sore. I forgot what that was like. For me, it reminded me, you mentioned Kathleen Kennedy in the last podcast, <laughs> it reminded me of those 80s movies, like the Amblin stuff, but you know, that sort of feel-good action film, it, just a romp. There was that piece of kind of like... Um, pre-release stuff they showed uh, a, a few scenes um, in some American IMAXs and some of the buzz was coming out from people saying oh it's like it's like Star Wars meets Indiana Jones and I'm like whoa don't raise the bar that high <laughs> I'm going to get as a child of the 80s I'm going to get far too excited you know I would say it smash that I, 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 you know I've got a semi at you saying that that's really rubbish <laughs> and then he yeah. has saw it yeah. we should have gone <laughs> why did we go with Pantsless Tuesday <laughs> Because we watched the Lego movie, went that seems like fun. <laughs> um, I just yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? There's so much fun. That initial scene, yeah. the second tone of him sliding around, singing into a small creature. Like, <laughs> what is this wondrous piece of cinematic magic? I keep putting the soundtrack on at work, and I can't help myself in the mornings when there's nobody around. I am kind of sliding around as I'm putting that DVD. That's my the one thing that annoys me about the whole movie is that I've been listening to that kind of music for years, and it was never cool until <laughs> now. <laughs> the soundtrack is amazing. Though. Yeah, it's like one of the best albums of the year already. Like Moon Age, uh, they're flying into nowhere. They stop playing uh, Moon Age Daydream by Bowie. And I was leaning across in the cinema, just poking Lucy, going, "Hey, hey. <laughs> bit of Bowie, bit of Bowie." Like, Shut Who are you? The weirdest. Um, this is why you had to watch it twice because the first time it was just you go, "Hey, hey." <laughs> Recording. <laughs> the weirdest tension that I've, uh, you know, that I've got quickly is that um, having watched that, we we sat down the other day, showing, we're showing Kieran various Star Trek films, and we've got to um, First Contact, which may have been a bit scarier than I remember for uh, an eight-year-old, but. Oops! <laughs> <laughs> but it's the bit where they're, they're launching the first warp-capable vessel, and the guy is like, "Oh no, we're missing something!" And they've already started launching. It's like, "What? What? No, we, uh, stop the launch!" That one. No, I found it. And it's magic carpet. Yeah. And he goes on watching the launch. It's, and it's the like, but what is quite often quite po-faced Star Trek, and then occasionally they remember to have some humour. It's the most beautifully funny moment. And in the wake of Guns of the Galaxy, it was like, yes, yeah. that's the same sort of magic that you've tapped into there. The idea that music helps define some of the more memorable and exciting moments of our life. And, um, you know, and that's, I think, what was great about it. Plus, uh, from my point of view, having had my mum pass away a few years ago, for it to be quite a, you know, monumentally 
devastating sort of thing for me mm. to have that opening scene. I was I was openly, you know, in tears, mm. and my other half, Blesser, was there for me. You know, just the, the I'm I'm here. I get why this is upsetting you, and that because the kid runs out, and I'm thinking because I was tearing up for it. I mean, I not got the. Uh, I know, it's like, you got just film expecting a talking raccoon, and then you get that at the beginning, it's like, whoa, I mean, fucking up. It was one of those reasons why, I remember why I tried to, quite regularly, um, at least give money, if not time, to Winston's Wish, because I think to myself, I don't know, I barely coped, being in my late 20s when it happened, how the hell would I have coped to eight? Yeah. Furthermore, how the hell would I have coped to eight, and then being abducted into space by some crazy space pirates mm. who may or may not have intimated they were going to eat me? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell whether that was a running gang that they had or if it was a genuine... So, did Instance Wish deal with that? <laughs> they do now. Okay. Yeah, they, they also double up as the Marauders. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's interesting, what, I mean, you go to see a movie and you, you say it harks back to the olden days when you could go and see one movie and have your laughs, your action, your heart. Mm. And I... I your soul gem, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> duck <laughs> Easy, easy, let's not spoil it, we're coming on to that. I, I just, I, it annoys me so much nowadays, a lot of modern movie writing, because it's just so bitty, and then you get something so tight and just polished and, and, and it's, joyful. As it's as why as Marvel as. are dominating at the moment, because generally, each Marvel movie you come out of, you're like, that is the best Marvel movie so far. I mean, there are a couple of blips, Iron Man 3, generally... I quite liked it, but it didn't. I loved Iron Man three. Yeah, it was better yeah. than Iron Man two. Yeah. Iron Man two was the one where I went. Maybe they can't catch lightning in the bottle again. That was the worry. That seems like good. I didn't yeah, think so anything would top Captain America: Winter Soldier this year for me. That was a that great was, film. But they're so completely different films. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I, I, That's think it. I adore both of them. <coughs> Depending on what I'm in the mood for, do I want effectively uh, a superhero? Uh, spy drama. Mm. You know, well, I start that because this the conversation we've always had is the Chris Nolan Batman films against the Marvel films. You're always going to go back to the Marvel films more than you are the Chris Nolan ones because they're just easier to watch. You know you're going to have a good time watching them. Kind There's of thing. more layers to them. You'll get some nothing against reality. the Chris Nolan Batman films. They're just a completely yeah, different kind of film for what they are. And um, apart from the final, <laughs> um, for me, Bane was run over. What Catwoman on a bike, people? It's not a good movie. Not in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> but, um, I came out of Guardians of the Galaxy and it took me a long while. I was like, was that better than the Avengers for me? And I, I could, didn't want to rush to judgment on it because, you know, obviously after you come out of the film, yeah, you're kind yeah. of stuck in it. But that was the first film I've seen in a long time. I was like, I was quite happy. So somebody said, you got spare two hours, you don't have to be on for the wife and kids for a couple of hours. Here's some money, go and watch the film again. I'd be straight back in there. We... We went to watch it in Vancouver. We went to see it uh, a few days later again, and uh, Lucy, my other half, is seeing it right now for the third time uh, while I'm here recording this. And uh, <laughs> Did she text me once you were here? probably throwing you under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was so loyal, I, I came here. Well, I saw it in Gloucester, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, it, it is just like I. I um, I, I was actually I really loved Thor too, which I know is a, a bit of a I, weird I, one. Did as I, well. I was I came out of that grinning like an idiot. I thought that was amazing. Captain America two. I watched. Oh, come it. on, the bit with Loki. Ta-da! <laughs> and and I, that's when we started to see it, where they're confident enough now, and and not cocky, just mm. confident enough that they can start doing the weirder, funny. They can have a laugh while doing. I it. think this I is the first Marvel movie that's going to reach people that don't like comic book movies. 
Because there's yeah. absolutely nothing in it that would make well, you they had nothing suspect that it was based on a comic. Well, and, and it's the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy has a very convoluted history in comics. So the movie Incarnation is arguably one of... It's not quite indicative of the modern... The modern-day comics are catching up with the movie. Well, I always felt like, because... I mean, they talked about this. Um, they had this Marvel development thing going on, which is... You know, to have in-studio development stuff where writers work on a script for a year, uh, just seeing what they can do, and then if it's doing well, you get another year, and you have an office, and that's all you kind of really do is work on on these properties. It's like we haven't really seen since the sort of golden age of the Hollywood studio system. Marvel will like we'll bring back that again. Takes a lot of confidence to say we're happy to basically effectively mm-hmm. throw some money at the writer that yeah. may it may come to nothing. I mean, it probably has paid for itself. I would, I would hope to argue that you know, Guns of the Galaxy has done incredibly well because of the decisions made by initially um, awful and sorry, I forget her name, but it was a female scriptwriter who worked on it for a very long time, and then James Gunn came in and did a sort of polish and a rewrite. Oh, I noticed there are two names on the um, um, Nicole Perlman. Yes, Perlman. Perlman. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I, you know, she did fantastic work on it. I, you know, clearly and. I think it's one of the things that's really telling is that for the most part the gender balance is pretty good in that as well. Um, I particularly like the marketing, the the stereotypical butt shot photo of one character with their ass, you know, looking over their shoulders. Like, oh, check out my ass! It's Drax. <laughs> Whereas the you know and the um, Zoe Saldana um, poster was quite you know understated. It was fab. It wasn't the kind of classic. I'm kind of in love with green women there. I must. Have. Again, I was a Trekkie growing up, so yeah, women is old news for me. That's a surprising <laughs> trope. I know. I, I always thought it'd be blue, but <laughs> the um, I mean, you talk about like the emotional heart, and we all talked about maybe getting a little bit emotional at various points and for various reasons throughout the movie. For me, it's the bits that make me me get a little bit teary eyed in uh, movies. Odd enough, like these decent action movies, is those moments where people. It's not, some, you know, it's not something with maybe like a strong direct emotional connection. It's when characters come through for one another, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think the bit that made me just—it's so stupid. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting emotional about a tree. Yeah, but it was just the we are. Gritty. No, no, no. It's it's not that. It's then cut into a raccoon that's crying. Oh my god! Yeah. And then just and then, oh, Drax, and then un- not, yeah, not even undermining it, like accentuating that by having Drax pet him and his initial look is I don't like this mm. <laughs> yeah, that's quite nice was just beautifully mm. sold for, you know that's a CGI character fuck you Jar Jar Binks that's how it's done <laughs> I cared about the rap hey guy from the hangover <laughs> <laughs> things you don't expect like you know when, uh, when they had that drunken fight and, so, and Rocket's pointing the gun and screaming at him and then suddenly you're like oh this that is a bit where he is like being you know just going through his Backstory slightly, but angry, like being experimented on over and over again. So I'm not sure if you can take any more of the pain. I, I'm forgetting exactly right, but I was like, I really care about that little dude. Yeah, How, when did you do that? Well, partly because I already loved him from the comics, but yeah, superb. And just it's so many beautiful little character moments. Yeah, and you just think there's so much, uh, so much of what we see nowadays is mundane. And then something truly brilliant comes along. And everyone knows it when they see it. It's just it's that perfect balance not to keep harking on about the Warner Brothers DC problem, but it's it wasn't po-faced. I mean, the problem was there as well, I think, with Godzilla. Godzilla, I love Godzilla this year, but it was a little bit too po-faced. It could have done with being a little bit, not completely the go in the Roland Emmerich way, but just could have been a little bit more fun with it. Lion face. Um, 
It was light enough for me because Godzilla looks a little bit like one of our cats. So, <laughs> you know, just, the, the snout and the sort of slightly self-satisfied hunter look in its eyes. I'm like, oh, Mojo. <laughs> doing and I mean, Days of Future cats. Past kind of had that balance. Um, it's where Amazing Spider-Man 2 fell down for me. Is it? it was just, I mean, spoilers for that, but it's got a very sad ending anyway. Oh, or emotional ending, isn't it? The it it's such a mess with the It's a weird chimera of it can't find the one po- thing. The, ba- the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy is what the tone of a Spider-Man film should be for me. It should be fairly light-hearted. Spider-Man's a quippy sort of character. Yeah. You need decent people making it. I'm sorry. This is the thing. Like, I, you've got yeah. people with passion within Marvel developing their properties. Mm. I mean, what what were your thoughts on Guardians? Is... Uh, sorry? Your sorry. thoughts on Guardians? I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, I, I <laughs> Shit. Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> 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 the Guardians. Sandman was very good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, as Owls go. A Zack Snyder film, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, uh, I, I could not remember the last time I enjoyed a film that much at the cinema. It and was just such great fun. Well, I'll tell you what, my, my favourite favorite bit of it was it reminded me of the film Airplane. <laughs> a really random, but it did. It just it, it was the bit where they're in the prison and they're talking on the table of how to escape. And in the background, you oh, see groups oh, going up, yeah. and it just reminded me of, a, of an airplane. Where they're going about a what are the you know what are the symptoms and something you got them choking in the back. Just reminded me of that. And I was wetting myself. <laughs> I was. That is a beautiful piece of as a, as a, as a visual joke. Yes, because you know it's coming. Mm. You know it's going to happen, and yet you're not disappointed. When yeah, it's it the bit when they say, "What happens if you pull it out?" And of course, he's struggling with it at the time. You know, it's the it's just pure we definitely classic get comedy. The yeah. screwball aspect of it, of <laughs> like throwing the thing and knocking the guy. What do you need the leg for? I just wanted to see if you'd do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they call back to that later. Of, I'm going to need that guy's eye. <laughs> 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 I can't to go funny little bit. It's important to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's cracking up. Oh, I just oh man, and and like even this run at the end, like uh, you know when he's uh, he's singing, he's like ooh child, and he's like uh, distracting him. He goes, "What are you doing? Like, it's a distraction." <laughs> Was it with your third blossom? <laughs> 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 Thank you, we're definitely going to run a it was the dancing mini group was beautiful. Have you yeah. seen they've actually officially released yeah, that as well? No, they actually you can actually download it. It's actual official thing. Because they're working on a toy. Like a oh, well, they really? Yeah, because yeah, like your classic mainstream to sunflowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be fantastic. Going aside from like the actual movie and how much we all obviously loved it, but what about the mythology of the movie? Because I was personally very surprised that they showed Thanos. Yeah, because I know we saw him at the end of Avengers, but I think how good was Josh Brolin as the voice of Thanos? Very good, of Paul Alexis Denisoff though he's out of a job again. (laughs) That made me laugh so much because it was like James Gunn got hold of someone just with the toys and just broke him. (laughs) (laughs) It was essentially Fincher coming in for Alien Three, but you know the characters that you developed, yeah, killed him. But I like like, because we know so little about the other. I'd be quite entertained if the next time we see the other, he has that slightly creepy broken neck yeah. thing just going on and still working like we've seen on the other side of the counter or something like that. Oh, <laughs> like, he's like, he's like Flash. Yeah, the other. He's the no, other. No, no, they actually named, they named him as well in the script. Oh, did they? No, he's, um, sorry, uh, you know they recently did the uh, Infinity storyline mm. in Marvel and they introduced a character called Corvus Glaive. Yes. They he's, named he's him from Accountant. So the other, the other is actually Corvus, Corvus Glaive. Glaive. There's a throwaway line where they, uh, they name him. Nice. 
But he didn't catch up. I did, I swear, unless I just dreamt it. Yeah, I quite like that of him as like evil ash in Army of Darkness, and every time I try to say child, his jaw falls off. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have the, the, um, the Adam Warlock cocoon as well, didn't we? Oh, yeah, twice I miss, now. I miss yeah, twice, yeah. As well, at the end so of four. Well, allegedly, so I, I, I found out afterwards, you can also see it next to, next to well, during the final after credit scene, during we'll whatever. We'll talk about it in a minute. We'll talk about it, but you actually see it, it's actually been opened. Allegedly, it's actually there, and it's caused through the explosion. Whatever happened, it's actually been cracked open. I would love, uh, you know, Guns of Galaxy Two, especially as I say, some of the really interesting stuff from Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest focused around those characters from Guardians and Adam Warlock. Yeah, I would happily see a really interesting Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Adam Warlock taken from the Abnett and Lanning thing, where they've done away with the sort of. Um, I'm pointing to it because we've had it back in stock, folks. Shill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, the Abnett and Lanning run for me is is better than the Bendis run. The Bendis run is definitely an attempt to take the characters we've seen in the film now mm. and repackage them for Marvel now, whereas the Abnett and Learning run was effectively going, you, we did this from Guardians of the Galaxy years ago and it yeah. was set in the year 3000 and had crazy characters no one can relate to entirely. But having done Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest, we're going to bring together some of those characters and make a new team. And the core of that is the Guardians of the Galaxy we now know, mm-hmm. but it only goes back to maybe 2005. No. Yeah, because it was it was the events of annihilation which brought them all together. Like Groot and Rocket Raccoon exist separately until the guns, well, the annihilation, annihilation, conquest stuff, and then guns of the galaxy, and it makes such perfect sense. Wait, so in the Marvel universe, you have a race of talking trees, and a talking experimental, you know, genetically experimented on raccoon, cybernetically enhanced, whatever. Put those two together. It's one of those moments of just, of course. Yeah. Um, a bit I'm of Master cool. Blaster thing yeah. going on, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I'm a, oh, ma- I'm a massive fan of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a massive fan of the Marvel. Guardians of the Galaxy runs on pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say, I'm a massive. That's it now. All I can do is Tina Turner. You told me to calm down the tangents. And so, that was something like that on me. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, all I was going to say is I'm a massive fan of the Marvel Galactic Pantheon, like all the characters they have off in space. like um, The cosmic kind of... Yeah, yeah like yeah. Uh, obviously Silver Surfer, um, Galactus, the Infinity Gems, uh, Galactus, the Elders of the Universe, uh, like the uh, Gardener, all that kind of weird stuff like that. Uh, Beta Ray Bill, maybe we'll see that one day. Oh, well, I'd love to see Jack of Hearts. I don't know if that would be possible, mm. like, uh, but... In my- I, I kind of want to see Moon Dragon. With yeah. Thanos established, uh, not, uh, with Thanos and Drax established, although it's interesting that Drax to me seems the one most altered from the comics. Mm-hmm. Like in the comics, he is a human transplanted <laughs> into an alien body, he's genetically engineered alien body, and actually onto his second. Yeah, because he was like the Hulk really. He was big, but very sh- with a, but with a kind of almost Doctor Strange cape. Yeah, going on with the collar. He could fly. He was super strong, and then his sort of new, sort of more compact but just as hard body was introduced for Annihilation or just before. Mm. And um, so yeah, Drax the Destroyer. I, and the problem, you know, the idea that he, it's a human soul in there who's lost his wa- human wife and daughter to Thanos, and then later discovers that the daughter has survived and his Hever has become Moon Dragon. But they made him a straight alien, from what I could tell. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. So, I, I think it's something they can develop later on. I mean, for the purposes of hitting the ground running. Yeah, well, all they need to discover is that, you know, his whole backstory has been programmed. I, I would imagine they've just decided to dispense with that. He can still have. A daughter that has also been yeah. dumped into Thanos' ranks. Thanos seems to adopt young girls and turn them yep. into assassins. Easy. Or yeah. Easy. Yeah. Operation U-Tree has closed in on Thanos. 
Who owns the, the rights for Silver Surfer? Absolutely, complete shame. It's just begging for a bit. Imagine, like, would you would you not comedy of like the Guardians of Galaxy team coming across this the space angel, basically, you know, uh, Mm. or a giant size Galactus? Yeah, I mean, I I, I know what they were trying to go to. They were trying to almost go down the route of the Ultimates Galactus, and then bought it and decided to go to a halfway house. Yeah, I'd have much rather seen the Ultimate Galactus is really interesting to me. The swarm of, of Galactus. insects, the Galactus swarm, yeah. uh, was really interesting. There's no reasoning with them. Um, I love the whole, as a kid. That was and Silver Surfer is, is is not a herald of them in terms of the, he works with them. He is someone who goes to all planets to pack your shit up, you fucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Galactus swarm's coming. He's like the last guy with his race who now tries to warn other people. Mm. Was really interesting. But um, anyway, the um, I, I, as a kid, um, one of the earliest comics I ever picked up was. Uh, a Marvel Heroes Reborn in the ni- it was the 90s things were weird but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reborn was one of my gateways in yeah. like shirts that change colour when you sweat <laughs> but it was it was the retelling nice. of Galactus and that always just seared itself into my brain and I loved the idea of Galactus the cosmic god element mm. I mean we see a celestial in this movie like that's pretty awesome celestial in flashback Oh yes, yeah, yes, yeah. The whole wielding the purple unnamed gem. Interestingly, it's mm-hmm. worth noting that the Heroes Reborn stuff seems to be coming back more to the fore because the Hulk vs. Iron Man series links the two together in a way that Heroes Reborn. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Stark was involved. Very like, and the cinematic universe seems to have capitalised on that. And <laughs> may I? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 and then I I need to do something awful and bring up a criticism of Guns of the So Fair enough. I'll let, uh, you, well, take, maybe I'll I'll let you take the, uh, the stage first. Okay, I want to pick everyone's, the collective, the table brain here, because talking gems, talking gems, Thor 2... Are you proposing? <laughs> or are <laughs> <or> we carrying <laughs> <laughs> off onto 80s cartoons face for uh, ages? Which is being adapted into, into a film, film yeah. probably. Jeez, gem and the holograms. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> Thor 2, which I loved. My favourite post-credits moment. We introduced the collector. Yeah. Uh, the ether is delivered. It kind of glows red. Never twig the whole movie, but they give this little glowing red gem, if you will, to the collector, and he goes, one down, five to go. Yeah, it's mind infinity gauntlet. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Scrooge. My Marvel knowledge is done. Yeah, but mind blown. It's like, oh my God. Marvel have done something very clever. They have snuck the Infinity Gems in without us realising that mm. every gem has been named something different. Yeah, I've been sort of hinted that the Tesseract was something before, though. I think maybe I've been reading mm. stuff outside of it that this was the plan. So mm. I was less mind blown, but more it's nice to see it come together. Because if the Tesseract had been a little gem coloured, the Space yeah. Gem, yeah. everyone would have known immediately yeah. what was going on. But the fact is, I was saying, oh my god, the Tesseract, the Ether. So now it's going to be six. Items. Yeah, well, the because uh, yeah. the Tesseract definitely is a stone yeah. or gem, whatever yeah. you want to yeah. call yeah. it. It wasn't in the books. In the comics, it wasn't. It's the Cosmic Cube, which wasn't. Yeah, it, well, it was the whole thing the Tesseract, wasn't it? Because Thanos had ownership yeah, of it a while yeah. ago. But that that wasn't. They no. it in. Exactly. Yeah. The Loki Pokey Stick. Yes. Isn't one. I'm not convinced it would be. No, I agree with you. Yeah, there's no, no the way Thanos would give... Oh, because his power has been imbued by some of the power. Yeah. But I don't think there's any way that Thanos would give away one of his prized possessions to the trickster. Absolutely. It's just not that stupid. Well, yeah. can, I, can I just make my point very quickly? Because if the Tesseract is, is, is an artifact, you know, they're saying that these existing Marvel artifacts are actually, in this continuity, 
the stuff, Gems, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was very clever. Yeah. So when we see the orb in yeah. the trailer, I was like, oh, they're all going to be unique things. They're not going to look the same, but they're all going to be very powerful. Mm. But then they open the orb, and, and then you get this iconic, actual iconic yeah. gemstone inside. So can we assume that the Tesseract has one inside as well? The ether, possibly. Although the way Howard Stark had drawn diagrams of it, yeah, suggested otherwise to me. Well, well, maybe is... they could be. Some of them may have already been forged into gems, and others could be reshaped yeah. into gems. They could go in lots of different. Well, in, ways. in summary, my my issue then is if we had six color coordinated gems, we'd know exactly what they're all meant to be. Mm. The fact that we have the Tesseract, which was you know a cube. Kind of whitey glowy. But the cube is kind of bluish. And everyone was like, oh, so that must be the space gem. The ether was red, and red in the comics was traditionally power. And I believe the ether is described as power at one point. But but now, word of the word on the street is that the purple gem seen in Guardians of the Galaxy is power. Yeah. Yeah. From what I know they changed the colours from what they represented in the comics. Yeah, which I just seems like such an odd thing. I don't know, it's potentially quite good to throw people off. Yeah. It's a simple twist to yeah. keep, you know, comic fans from guessing but I think, everything. Uh, but I thought which is what they were doing by having them not be the gems. Like, suddenly thinking, oh, I'm not on the lookout for gems, I'm on the lookout for an artifact. So yeah. the orb looks like this kind of wire work ball, and I'm like, oh, what does it do? Is it time? Is it time travel or something? But there's actually a gem inside it. It seems, I know, I trust them. Yeah. They didn't know what they're doing, but I'm like, Oh, so purple is power, but it was red in the comics. So what is the red one then, and what's the blue cube? I'm like, I think we're just gonna let it unfold. I think yeah. it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the idea of that. You know, we saw when Red Skull disappeared into the Tesseract, sort of a brief look at almost some of the sort of space style stuff we're now seeing in Guns and Galaxy. I'd be delighted if we saw Red Skull turn up, and frankly, quite happy if they recast if um, old Weaving doesn't want to play ball, because you can always just throw it away as well. He's been out there for 70, 80 years. Yeah. Or similarly, um, the the journey altered him somewhat, mm. you know, just to be fro- unprotected mm. and thrown across space that way can not be good for you. As a prediction, did you Galvatron any good? Well, exactly. As a prediction, which turned out to be completely wrong, I was convinced that you're dubious. You're bugging this is dubious decision. I was convinced at the end of Winter Soldier that Robert Redford was going to rip off his face and be Red Skull. Yeah, and they, I, they kind of deliberately flat-footed us by releasing a fake, I think, and I, I believe Marvel did it, a fake soundtrack listing that had, like, you know, Pierce's Red Skull or something like that uh, yeah. on the nose. And I was like, ah, I knew, because that's how it is in the graphic novel, and I'm like, nope. I, I will shut up now, because I've been monopolising the conversation, but I had a big prediction about Guardians, which turned out to be completely false. I, my big prediction was that the reveal at the end was going to be that this is actually in the future, and we're actually thousands of years in the future, and no, not during the movie. This is before going in. I thought, oh, the big twist is that it's not happening simultaneously. That the gem they're getting hold of is the time gem, and the oh. big twist is that in the future Thanos has already won, right. and it was going to be some twist where like he's like, I'm going to go back to Earth, and then it's like Earth. Been dead for like thirty thousand years or something. You were not just abducted from your time; you were abducted. You're your yeah. Well, and that that leads to other questions. Like, you know, who is the father? They've already said it's not the same father from um, the comics. It's not General Spartax uh, or General from from Spartax. So, who were they taking him for? Are they going to tie all together and say that? You know, is it Thanos? It seems unlikely. Yeah, it's a bit too far. But again, he, he could have and a bit too one of his. As well. 
Warlock? Yeah, Warlock. Because Warlock was always associated with someone being Because there was speculation that that's who Nathan Fillion was going to play, was Star Lord's mm-hmm. father. Which did any, everybody spot the Nathan Fillion thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the alien. Dude. He is the guy. I had to look it up. I didn't recognise his voice when I was watching the film. Because I thought, shit, was he? Let's, let's ruin the end credits thing. I thought, shit, was he Howard the Duck? But that's not, that's Seth Green. See, I read, so Duck. I thought going into it, I thought he was going to play Cosmo the dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was slightly disappointed I got really excited when he was treated like a normal dog rather than able to telepathically speak. I thought at least once he's out of prison, mm. do something with him. Once he's out of the... the I don't know, there's, there's potential to do... It's a shame they've stopped the Marvel one-shots because Cosmo the space dog, Howard the Duck, Marvel one-shot would be awesome. I think because... The, a lot of people have been worrying, haven't they? Because some people didn't find the Howard the Duck camera remotely interesting. We had customers in here complaining and so on and so forth. And, the um, customers are idiots. No offence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that with the utmost Chocolate proud line. I would like to just distance myself from all of Stuart's comments. But anyway, talking about being massively <laughs> po-faced when it comes to watching <laughs> the end of a movie and not getting a bit of fun. They threw that together in two days. It's why it's quite a cheap CGI yeah. effect compared to the rest of the film. You know, it's... I don't think we're going to see a massive resurgence of Howard the Duck stuff. It was oh, no, I don't want to see a Howard the Duck movie. I just want to see a little something else in a one-shot that would quite come together. I know some people felt a bit cheated, perhaps, but I thought, after such a fun movie, Mm. even if you didn't know who Howard the Duck was, the sheer absurdity of it. I'll tell you what, the laughter that rose in the cinema when we went to see it was fantastic. I think everyone knows that Howard the Duck has been the butt of jokes for years. Whether people realised he was a Marvel character or not. My old man, bless him, his his first name is Howard, so going to the VO stores in the 80s was always a delight for him because I would inevitably find the Howard the Duck movie and go, Look, Dad, you're a duck! (laughs) (laughs) I think, for me, that stayed funny forever <laughs> and for my dad it was never funny and got increasingly more grating so I took great delight in ringing him the other week and got dad your movie career is back on <laughs> what do you remember Lucas called Howard the Duck silence the other end of the phone yes after a pause oh, yeah. it was dad Dad, this is where it's going to turn out. You're going to One too many duck comments. Your dad's been playing the long game for years. You're going to leave him minding the shop one weekend and come back and find us a florist. (laughs) (laughs) Or just some form of duck shop. I'm waiting for him to fuck with me by coming to our house and then at one point he'll go to the bathroom and just leave a few feathers floating in the the (laughs) bathroom. Like... Just, just a Playbill magazine just left in the <laughs> Just an egg. Just don't <laughs> it. <laughs> um, oh, I, I love the Howard the Duck cameo. You were going to play... I, I'm afraid it falls on me to bring up the one really uncomfortable thing I found in, in Guns of Galaxy. Well, there's a couple, because I adored it. I asked, And this doesn't undo the fact that I loved it. And I almost feel like it should in a weird way, because it's such a horrible bit. There was quite a lot of swearing in it for a 12A. It was a bit uncomfortable taking an eight-year-old, but that's fine. We've taught him not to repeat, so it, it that was fine. But in amongst all the swearing, Drax calls Gamora a whore. And you, they've taken great pains to point out that Drax can only speak in literal statements. He can't make it, do an allegory. He can't do a, a joke or a simile. So do we take that as... Well, how do we take that? I mean, I, what yeah. I take away from that is that's really lazy writing. You wanted an insult, and as a writer, you have picked the cheapest, nastiest word that hates women that you could find. 
And Tim had already gone, I'll be fair. It's, it's interesting because at the time, uh, when we were watching it, that completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah same with me. Didn't, didn't Did it go over? It would not go over my head. <laughs> I would catch it. I am too fat. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you uh, you made uh, you, you raised this point with me the other day, and, well, and, and uh, it was it was Gail Simone that pointed it out on Twitter, and it was one of those horrible moments of going, "You are entirely right." It didn't sit right within the cinema, but I couldn't place why, and I just assumed it was maybe another example of, "Wow, there's a lot of swearing in this," some of which is hysterical. Glenn Close hanging up on someone and calling them a prick. <laughs> I I think will stay with me to the day I. Can I, I totally forgot Glenn Close was in it? Yeah, I totally forgot for all that. But well, this is quite nice. That I feel, as I say, they need to sort of do a bit better with their representation in the films. But the fact that Glenn Close is the top space cop in the galaxy, she outranks Samuel L. Jackson now, is a good plus point there. Yeah, yeah that's um, a team up I want to see. Shield and No Record Jurisdiction. You know, there's a buddy cop movie <laughs> of, of Glenn Close and Samuel. To be Jackson. fair, technically Nick Fury is not head of Shield anymore. No, true. It's interesting, isn't it? Because. Aside from and that, Agent Carlson is drawing weird spacecraft on the wall. Are you seeing so that, that as the billboard yeah, that has all these series? Terrible, isn't it? But it's interesting. Like uh, that, obviously, in, when when we were watching the movie, completely glossed us by. We didn't even we didn't even think of it until you mentioned it. Um, apart from that, I thought the movie did a fairly, as you say, fairly fairly good representation of all the female. Characters, because still, I, th- I thought the main I, villain was pretty weak, but then it wasn't about the villain for this one. It was about setting up the guardians. I also felt slightly that Gamora was. I was told she was the most dangerous woman in the galaxy, but I very rarely saw it. In fact, if anything, during her attempts to capture Peter Quill, she seems a bit incompetent when she could be taken yeah. down by a, rac- a, a slightly bungling raccoon in a tree. That yeah. was my biggest problem, and I guess I was less with her representation, more with her uh, the characters. Right, because that's my only bit of bug me is that she's meant to be terrifying, like uh, Thanos or um, Ronan, and they're going to send Nebula, and then it's like, no, we'll send Gamora, and it's like, oh my god, Gamora, like she's mm-hmm. she's terrifying. What's what's she going to do to get this orb? And her plan is to kick Peter Quill in the stomach, grab it, and run. This and, and that was the pl- and that was my only problem. This really, generally, the problem with comic book movies though is they will tell you that a female character is strong, such and such, blah, 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 whatever, but they will not show it. But because they've told us that, that is simply the case. The, the evidence they've got... Like, it's like being told really that only Stormtrooper is so accurate. <laughs> yeah, true. But I, I saw Scott... Yeah, very true. I saw Scotty Anson kick ass in Winter Soldier. Like, really seems, if anything, more... She's better at the spy game that they're playing in that film than Cap. Cap yeah. is still too naive to really be quite good at this, frankly. Um, you know the fact that he can't even spot that Rumlow doesn't have his back whereas I thought it was quite obvious from even the first ship based yeah. encounter that it, you know Rumlow will leave Cap to do his own thing and if Cap gets in trouble Rumlow doesn't really care mm-hmm. you know um, whereas yeah in this Gamora you know most dangerous woman alive we don't really see it uh, which is a shame I wonder if there's extra stuff that's been cut in which case that's disappointing the other thing with Drax of course is Drax goes out of his way to call Quill, man who lies with many women, or something like that. Yeah. Based on Quill's stories, mm-hmm. some of which are, again, a little bit uncomfortable. You know, we've already seen evidence of it. So for him to boast that he slept with an ugly alien whose name he kind of remembers, which even end, didn't add much to the character and didn't advance the plot for me. It was just, a, again, a slightly uncomfortable story. But, you know, the thing, not to harp on about it, but just, it seemed like such an odd choice. 
of word to use when you could have <laughs> done anything. The the point was to have a reaction from Gamora where she's like, enough. Yeah. It could I I actually would like to see James Gunn go, Do you know what? Fair point. I will look for a word that fits and will ADR it for the DVD Blu-ray release and all future releases and just go, sorry. I think that's the noblest way to handle it. Of course, I mean, you know, someone's at the door. Uh, Merely, just to to think about, like, as the character is completely literal, while it is not a pretty word, could it be assumed that he believed that? Mm. Like, he believes her to be a killer. Does he have it? There's potentially the argument that he means whore in a woman who who wears not necessarily sexually I'm not justifying it I'm just throwing it out there as a potential argument for it yeah, just playing I mean, devil's advocate it's just still a very I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with your point and I generally find that trying to argue with Gail Simone is completely pointless because she's generally always right <laughs> she's the woman who gives the term fridged exactly <laughs> it's such an unpleasant word um, yeah I think there, there are so many other things they could have used frankly just something that points out her association with Thanos. He's been having a go at her about it the whole way through the film anyway. Mm-hmm. That would have been fine. You know, at the point where she is trying to actively risk her life to stop Ronan and betray, uh, sorry, and, and defy Thanos for him to continue to call her out on it is the point where you could still bluff and say enough. You could achieve the same plot point and the same action, dra- sorry, dramatic beat with a completely different mm. word. It's an interesting point you make because I guess insults kind of levied against the male characters are not sexual in nature whereas that's the thing about that word is that it is a very I, I'd agree with that or if they are levelled at the male characters it is in a jovial way if so, yeah. you know Peter Quill being a man whore is very would be levelled in a very different way to it being levelled at a woman well, yeah. the fact that we you know even and I'm not singling out to criticise it the fact that we use the word to say man whore rather than just to say yeah I was just throwing that out yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly <laughs> but, um, you know that's what I'm saying not sort of singling out that it's true you make you know. a very good point and it's, it's something I, like I said we, we never thought about it when we saw it and yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one. It's a weird one, because I'm so uncomfortable with it that I almost wish it made me dislike the movie. I mean, I can't, I love the film, it's fantastic, it's not going to make me not want to own it and not see it again, but I do wish, actually, that something was just done to sort of say, do you know what, we done goofed, mm-hmm. and we'll fix it. You know, because it is... Yeah. And I'm waiting for the point where we get told that I'm white knighting here, or something ridiculous, <laughs> and all the other crap you get on the internet when, God forbid, a man stands up for... You know, it's well, a bit of equality. Well, but the, it's only, just... the honest fact is, it's it's very much in the air at the moment, it's, and there's a lot of there a lot of unpleasantness. It's a very negative attitude online at the moment, and now's the time where we have to try and rise above it. And it's always going to seem like we're going too far the other way. You know, it's always going to be like, oh, you can't say anything, but it's not. It's just we're trying to redress the balance. Yeah, yeah you can still yeah. use an offensive word um, from you know, or an insulting turn of phrase. I mean, in fact. The dra- again, the dramatic beat they were trying to achieve at that point in the scene was to actually allow Gamora to... You know, she doesn't just take it. Yeah. She calls him out on it. But my point is, the internal logic you've established about Drax means mm-hmm. I don't think he could ever use that word mm-hmm. unless he genuinely had seen her <laughs> doing, yeah. taking such action or had been told that she was capable of taking such action. I'm trying to think, does he actually use a generic... Insult for him. He, call, he calls Quill a moron, or no, an imbecile. Yes, doesn't he? Because it's like you—you you are an imbecile. Like it's a very—he's being very literal about it. But I'm trying to think. Like he 
cause like groups like uh, this this stupid vegetable is or this stupid tree is my friend or something and I don't know I'm just I'm trying to I'm, I'm, I'm merely trying to think from an academic point of view like another word he could he might have used like like if he wanted to insult her I'm just uh, well, I'm, I'm sure thinking, there are yeah. ones they could have used I don't know just such a it, it, it basically to me just smacks of the one point of lazy writing I think if anything in some ways it's a testament to how strong the film is mm. that I can single that one point out and go you let me down there and you let yourselves down there because the rest of the film is brilliant and flawlessly written and fun. It gets its themes. It sets up wonderful background jokes while also setting up foreground jokes. It looks stunning as well. It visually is sumptuous, frankly. And just, the, the, as I say, the gap was, keep going back to it, was sliding around singing to a small creature, like a weird combination of Indiana Jones meets Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone, <laughs> which I still hate. Slash time for <laughs> this business. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, short of mixing cocktails. <laughs> let's, because let's, we need to wrap it up, yeah. let, let's bring it round to like our favourite bits. I mean, for me, the revelation was, I mean, the cast in everything was perfect for me. I was quite surprised by Karen Gillan, because, not that she's not a good actress, but, you kind of pigeonhole people sometimes as a TV actress. And there were a couple of times where I thought she was a little bit wobbly, but I thought she, she yeah. played the role incredibly well. Some of us describe her as wooden in store, uh, ironically enough, because that's Groot's role. But, um, <laughs> you know, I thought she, the, the character she was portrayed really well. And I was quite impressed that I worked out about an hour later, wait, she survived. Yes. So we'll get to see Nebula again. Mm. Yeah, that was because I believe she was originally supposed to die. But they've decided to keep her because they've obviously got plans for other well, interesting things they can do with her. Well, they spent that much on the wig. And it's, it's a strong yeah. female villain, so. Did you hear about this? They made a, a wig out of her actual hair and they shaved it all off so that she could continue to get work oh. and, and obfuscate the fact that she. Yeah. In part because she agreed to go back and do Doctor Who, and of course you can't really have, like, for one scene. In the <laughs> Matt Smith did the same. But, um. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, Chris Pratt was amazing as well, I thought. I mean, I comes back to my previous comment about how you'd be right Superman it's something I suspected for a long time with him and this is pretty much cemented and it's made me look I'll be a lot more excited about Jurassic World yeah same because Jurassic World for me is kind of like a what's the point film a sequel <laughs> just for the sake of making something it was like, and then I heard the synopsis <coughs> there's something interesting about it, it, it can't be anywhere than Jurassic Park 3 so, no. <laughs> uh, I think my I think the my dinosaur has spoiled a mobile phone <laughs> I think my favourite moment uh, in a in a movie of wonderfully perfect moments, uh, so many great choices. I think my favourite moment was the final moment, uh, the final uh, takedown of Ronan, because yeah. it's a mm. brilliant moment of comedy, immediately segueing uh, with the distraction and Peter Quill singing, immediately segueing into an incredibly powerful and emotional uh, the depiction of the gem and it tearing them apart, and even just something as corny and simple as them touching each other to share the burden. It was symbolic, it was simple, but effective. And it's it very much in the theme of the Nova Corps as well, because obviously all the ships link up as well, yeah, which they, I thought was superb. And I was, yeah. I was gutted that they killed Peter Serenich off. Yeah, but, but there you go, just like, even something as simple as the moment when they're all connected, they're sharing the burden. And it's just, it, it, Roman was a one-dimensional villain, but he was perfect because he played his role and he died. And that was it. And My absolute favourite bit of it is 
when they're flying off at the end and the Nova Corps appear with them, it's just the delivery of I opened up with it with the uh, hey they got my dick message. <laughs> it's just so superbly delivered. And the um, I've not seen a good middle finger winding up gag for a while as well. It's just Chris Pratt's face. <laughs> it's just I did I've not seen that trailer before. Oh, okay. I obviously missed that bit. I don't know how. But um, that's quite yeah, that's quite so much because they were beautifully. Yeah, they kept. But they, they shot, shot the trailer. What a bunch of a holes! It's not even in the film, is it? They shot the trailers in, in that lineup. Yeah, the line-up. They shot the lineup specially to introduce the characters. Mm. That whole trailer was specifically shot specially for that. Mm. Root had his arms in the trailer. Yeah, I noticed that bit. Ripped off yeah. in the movie. Because so. um, yeah, they reshot. I think they reshot the stuff or re-edited it. But yeah, it's just the look on his face. Just like, oh, I'm sorry, I had no idea what this machine does. <laughs> Andy, um. Again, it's a group moment. Um, the, the bit where he's taking out those lines and lines of guards with his long fingers, and then just the look. He just turns his head around. It's just a wonderful, simple to look. <laughs> it is. If you, if you, we saw that bit, but the pop Groot have that grin yeah. for me. It's fantastic. It makes me want to see a Hulk Groot bromance movie. <laughs> I absolutely. You know, just until it's uni God. <laughs> I am. Ben? Uh, Obviously oh. the bit where Paul is used. Yeah, look. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I, I think I have to say it probably is uh, the rocket in the bar bit. Actually, mm. really, I lo- there was something that got to me. I, I adore the bit where he gets petted as well. That's really <laughs> funny. But um, the, the bit of him just railing and talking about being taken apart over and over mm. again. You know, I, I, to be honest, I could sit and choose a different bit every time. But for some reason, I keep going back to that. That to me summed up in the middle of this humorous drunk scene you have this real pathos from a character that should not on paper be capable of, of it you know it's all, well, I mean like I know that Rocket has more depth to it but it would have been very easy to make him just another figure of fun mm. CGI character and instead yeah. no let's get the um, look I'm stood on the box bit is very good yes. as well look I'm stood up four <laughs> jackasses <laughs> <laughs> I mean this is the thing it's, it's so quotable over and over again that the attention to detail put into the um, the collective place, the, complete the sliver aliens, the sliver words. Yeah, in yeah absolutely. Fair play to I didn't guys. notice that, but I was told afterwards yeah. about them. Yeah, yeah. The tiny little character moments, even just prior to the box scene, where they're, they're sitting there talking, and it's like, uh, you don't get a vote. Why? Why? I, I helped. I had a plan. We already established you didn't have a plan. <laughs> when did we establish this? 30 seconds ago. I wasn't listening, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and the, 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 you know, well, uh, see, at least gets my ideas, and there's Groot trying to eat a flower. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. But that, that actually reminds you of Jurassic Park. The whole kind of. Very, it was very kind of Bontosaurus y kind yeah. of Jurassic Park. It's yeah. just fantastic. Just, see, I, I, went, I went into that film knowing that I'd love the raccoon, and I came out knowing, and loving the tree. Yeah, so many people came out yeah. and they preferred the tree to the, to the rocket raccoon. Um, Frax was a revelation. I, I know, I, 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 I went in completely blind. I deliberately didn't watch too much online apart from the two initial trailers that they did. Um, you'd seen it before me. I phoned you up and said, I don't want you to even text me to say whether you enjoyed it or not. Mm. I wanted to go in completely blind, and I feel so much better for it as well. I deliberately avoided reading any reviews or anything. Didn't even look at the star ratings people were giving it. I'm just delighted about how much it sets up. A completely viable, separate, but somehow interwoven Marvel, you know, film. It feels yeah. almost like actually the first shot of Phase Three rather than the last shot of Phase Two. Yeah, the penultimate shots of Phase Two, really, because Ant Man for me exists in a bit of a limbo. You're coming after think, Avengers, you're not yeah, part of Phase Two. Technically, Phase Three, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. And um, um, just, I, yeah, I think there was something about like even Yondu, um, you know, and people have joked. 
Yondu is nothing like the comics version of it, who is kind of a hippie with a mohawk. And I think mm-hmm. I've seen James Gunn sort of go, well, the Yondu you're talking about is in the year 3000. Who's to not say that in the next, you know, 990-odd years, um, you know, uh, uh, Michael Rooker doesn't calm down a bit. You know, that's very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, I like it. I think it's definitely cemented Marvel as the studio to be reckoned with. I, I mean, it's already established that people are starting to copy the Marvel method for filmmaking. And it's it's testament to this film that it's made Warner Brothers go, shit, we better move Superman, uh, Batman v Superman. We can't believe it. Can't we can't believe If this film that has got nothing has made 200 million already, we can't go up against Captain America. And it's a smart move for both films. I'm excited by... Uh Vin Diesel as well talking about the fact he may have a, a live action Marvel role as well as continuing to voice group. Yeah. Um, plus I adored the fact did you see that he turned up at the, the premiere on stilts wearing an I Am Group t-shirt? <laughs> he had those kind of like um, slightly more high tech spring heel kind yeah. of stilts and just walked up the red carpet on those towering over everyone else with I Am Group on the t-shirt. Just I love the thing that he got there to Diesel. do the voice recording it was the guy who'd done the voice recording on Iron Giant and he wasn't aware that it was going to be him when he got there. Nice. And that was really just, yeah. You always forget these Iron Giant. I love Iron Giant. That's yeah. one film that will make me ball. <laughs> As in, cry. In, uh, <laughs> could we uh, perhaps sum up by saying what we'd like to see in the next Guardians of the Galaxy in maybe like one word or a sentence, like a character or a thing? Adam Warlock. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, I reckon uh, Quasar or one, uh, one version of that. Or I guess I would, Dragon. I would like to see more. Quite frankly, I would just want to see more. Delve into the weirdness of the Marvel Galaxy. There's a lot out there. Don't, I don't want them to alter the, what made it work. I don't want them to do the traditional thing of the second one needs to be darker. I want, no. to, I want them to keep with the theme and the tone that they've got. I want them to keep the people they've got involved in it. And I don't want other... Marvel's a smart studio anyway, so they won't do it. But I don't then want a load of carbon copies of Guardians of the Galaxy. My slight concern is that a note's now gone to J.J. Um, Abrams for Star Wars going, this, this is what Star mm-hmm. Wars needs to be. I would love um, that as a Star Wars, but it feels like the the way into writing on the Galaxy Two is to compile awesome mix two and then go from there. Yeah, because um, the script was written. With I music. found just really quickly, uh, and I know I'm Captain Tangent at the best times, but I found really quickly an article about someone reviewing the soundtrack, and they were crying foul for the soundtrack CD you mentioned um, because it has two songs from Awesome Mix Two on a CD labeled Awesome Mix One. And I remember closing the tab very quickly and thinking. Good grief. <laughs> it was a proper Charlie Brown on the computer yeah. moment. Charlie Brown on the laptop. Good grief. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I mean, what do you want to see? Uh, more Nebula. But no, no what, what happens with her in the comics and the kind of role she plays in that. I don't remember what happens in Nebula. I'm she a gets the gauntlet. Uh-huh. She has a little, yes, indeed. Mind you, everyone gets it at some point in that. Well, yeah, story. but it was thanks to her. <laughs> and you're not actually yeah. on the gauntlet yet. Next one, this is all good. You told me you can't get on this. I should have known I would corrupt you bastards. Did you see Josh Brolin at the end of the Age of Ultron panel at San Diego Comic Con? Oh, what, wearing the gauntlet? Yeah, just with it high the lofts and things, you know, and the way that Robert Downey Jr. introduced him as, well, how do you top Ultron? You know, it's like, <laughs> sure to take it away from all the way to James Spader and going, we don't need you anymore. <laughs> Pushing it off. Surely there's a market for someone to make a there's... very decent cosplay glove with very powerful lights. I think Marvel did ones do one. I was thinking, like, in each. Like, they're meant to, I want aren't they doing ones? Isn't it just the Hulk fist that they're just going to redo as Thanos' hand with the 
Gordon yeah. Love on it. Oh, cool. It's I essentially <laughs> we found a way to get rid of all those old Hulk fists. I'm <laughs> blinding, blinding lights. Is that where they're going to come in right and left? And you're like, <laughs> wait a second, <laughs> get both variants of the same toy, buy it twice. Awesome. Nice. Well, that's it for the Guardian spoiler. Um, yeah, we will see you again for the usual regular podcast in about a month or so. Uh, thank you. Bye.